Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I've got a great stream ahead that I think you're really going to enjoy. All right, so today I need to talk to you about one of my hobby horses. I need to get up on the soapbox and I, I just need to vent about somebody who's always driven me nuts, or at least a phenomenon that has always driven me nuts, which is conservatives praising Bill Maher. Bill Maher hates you. Bill Maher hates everything you stand for. Bill Maher hates your values. Bill Maher would not spit on you if you were on fire. Bill Maher thinks you are trash. But for some reason, conservatives just can't get themselves enough Bill Maher. Because you see, Bill Maher tells people the truth. Yes, that's right. Bill Maher, every once in a while, like, well, like once every month or two, Bill Maher says something just ever so slightly that is a criticism of the left. Man, over and over and over again, this guy derides the right. He insults conservatives. He talks about how Christians are idiots and fools. He slanders anyone and everyone who's ever disagreed with him politically on the right. However, like once or twice a month, he'll say something like the left have gone too far. The left have gotten crazy. Things are out of control on the left. And man, every conservative outlet and every pundit and everybody just loves to, oh, Bill Maher slamming the left again. Bill Maher bringing the heat. Bill Maher, you know, he says what he really thinks. And man, I am so tired of this song and dance. So today will be my effort to break everybody of this habit of talking about Bill Maher and how amazing he is for speaking the truth to power. Because the truth is, that Bill Maher is just not that guy. I'm sorry, but Bill Maher has like incredibly safe, incredibly benign political opinions. Bill Maher is just slightly to the right of whatever the most insane progressive thing is. And that's why he catches the little bit of heat that he does. But at the end of the day, Bill Maher is incredibly safe. He's not dangerous to anybody. There's a reason this guy has a mainstream show on HBO that continues to draw all of the biggest celebrities and all of this stuff. Because at the end of the day, Bill, no Bill Maher knows which side is really in power. Bill Maher knows who really cuts the checks, who really is buttering his bread, who is really making sure that he has a huge platform, and he knows what side to be on. He might be a little transgressive every once in a while, but at the end of the day, Bill Maher knows exactly how safe he needs to be to continue to collect those checks okay he is not a dangerous person at all and he's certainly not on your side if you are on the right or if you are a conservative or if you are a republican but a lot of people have asked me recently to take a look at bill maher and this clip from his appearance on joe rogan a few weeks ago because he gets on there and he just says you know his, this normal thing uh, oh man uh you know the, the left are a little out of control uh, and people for some reason thought that that was a revelation yet again uh that he spent a few minutes you know th in this podcast he spends most of the podcast talking about how insane donald trump is how stupid republicans are how crazy the right is but for like five minutes he, he noticed that the left is, is a little kooky and so everybody was very excited about that so i had a number of people ask me to take a look at this clip uh, so i'm going to play a little bit of uh bill maher's conversation with joe rogan and uh, I'm going to pick apart a little bit of what he says here because uh, it's kind of ludicrous. If I said so many of the things that I've said on Club Random, on a podcast, on Real Time, on HBO, they would have had my head. 
so right off the bat, like Bill Maher knows where the power lies, right? He he is very careful, even on his show where he's supposed to be speaking truth of power and he's supposed to be having edgy opinions and he's supposed to be pushing the boundaries. He already knows he can't say most of what he wants to say, even on his own show, right? So <laughs> here we are just at the beginning. Bill Maher knows who's in power and he knows who he needs to be very careful of, right? He can say anything he wants about the right and he doesn't have to worry about it. He only has to say, or he only has to be careful about what he says about the left, but he's still going to be on their side on the vast majority of things. None of that is actually going to change any of Bill Maher's positions. He's not actually going to think about what that means if he's on the side of power for the vast majority of issues, if he's complying with power, uh, you know, of, of like major studios and Hollywood executives, and all these things. None of that. He's not going to think about what any of the implications of that are. Uh, he's just going to complain a little bit that he, you know, he, he doesn't have the degree of free speech he used to. Yeah. But somehow when I say it in the setting of the podcast, in my own home, blowing the pot smoke, somehow it's okay. And I find that very interesting. I think they look at you like a guy who they're worried about because you don't toe the line. They should be. Exactly. You are, you're like a 90s liberal. Oh boy, guys, watch out. He'll co Here comes Bill Maher. He doesn't toe the line. He's a dun, 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 90s liberal. Oh man, if we could just get some more 90s liberals, that, that's who the establishment is really worried about. 90s liberals, you know, the, the guys who were on top and controlled everything 30 years ago who shaped the opinions of everyone who is now in power, the people who enabled the social conditions that have now generated where we are. Oh, yeah. 90s liberals, guys. That's that's who everyone's really, really worried about. And this is kind of the level of delusion at work here. I'll be honest. I know a lot of people, Joe Rogan, you know, they, they, they don't like him. But I like Joe Rogan in general. He just seems like a fun guy. He seems like a guy who's just would be really cool to hang out with. Uh, just just very personable. I don't agree with Joe Rogan on a lot of stuff. I, you know, I, I'm uh, certainly don't think he's he's as brave a voice as as some people have made him out to be, or at least he certainly isn't now after uh, some run-ins with the wrong people. Uh, but at the very least, he seems like a guy that's that's kind of fun to hang out with, right? However, Joe Rogan's understanding of what is dangerous is just cartoonish, right? And this is the real problem. This is the problem that these guys always run into because Joe Rogan was officially part of the IDW, so I can certainly connect him there uh, to what to whatever extent that that still uh, is supposed to exist. Uh, and Bill Maher is certainly in that same wheelhouse, right? He's he's a '90s liberal. He's he's one of these guys who thought that civilization peaked, uh, you know, in the 1990s, and that uh, history was over, and that the world was just going to continue in this amazing state uh, forever. Uh, he's one of these people, right? He's adjacent to the, to this line of thought. And so for the, both of these guys, the nineties was, uh, was just supposed to be, you know, continue on forever. They didn't understand that the nineties was not some kind of, uh, you know, isolated event that occurred at the, at the end of history. Uh, and, and that therefore like nothing would happen after it. There'd be no context. They didn't understand that the nineties was actually just part of a progression in a particular direction. And so, yes, you, you got a certain amount of free speech in the 90s, a certain amount of removal of restrictions. The, the restrictions of tradition and the right had been almost completely removed, and the restrictions that the left would impose had not come into their full you know, shape and form at that time. 
And so it's often idealized as kind of this moment of freedom, this moment of kind of libertarian opportunity uh, where things would flourish forever. But of course, that wasn't the case. The problem that these leftists have, and they are leftists at the end of the day, the problem that these guys have is they don't have any understanding of the connective tissue. They don't understand that they were on the slippery slope. They, they made a living making fun of not heeding the warnings, of mocking the people who warned them of what would happen when certain restrictions, when certain social uh, structures, when certain barriers and traditions and folkways were removed from the general public. These guys made a living mocking all the people who told them that, hey, you start breaking down what marriage means. You start breaking down what the family means. If you start destroying the, the, you know, the relationship of men and women and their places in society, if you start messing with this stuff that has been core to kind of human organization throughout most of history, if you start breaking this stuff down, it will inevitably have really dangerous effects. Like this stuff is connected to other things. You can't just pull out. This isn't Jenga where you just pull out the pieces that you want to pull out and maybe the, the tower will continue to hold. No, you are knocking out foundational pieces of human organization. Those things were there for a reason. It's not just that everybody before you happened to be terrible, racist, bigoted, you know, sexist, homophobes, whatever. Like that is not actually like this is the construction of 90s liberals that everyone before us was just this deeply intolerant, ignorant force. And here we are. We have arrived at this point in civilization, and we, through our enlightenment and our intelligence and our tolerance and our social uh, you know, changes, have just, we, we fixed all of the problems of human relations. And we are the, the best generation, and all humans after us will just be patterned on our, on our incredibly tolerant and open uh, society. You know, th this is kind of the delusion that guys like this are still living in. They're still kind of under this delusion that once they assembled society in this particular way, once they have knocked out all of the restrictions they don't like, that society would just continue, uh, you know, perpetual motion of civilization would just continue on in this very uh, specific way. But of course it didn't. And that has them completely baffled, right? And they think that the most dangerous thing that someone could face is a 90s liberal. But of course, that's not true at all. 90s liberals enabled all of this. 90s liberals bro brought this on. They destroyed all of the barriers, all of the boundaries, all of the social organization, all of the taboos that kept this stuff at bay. The, the main thing is that these guys thought that once those things were destroyed, you would just continue society would move on and would just be super tolerant and open forever. But of course, that's not how humans behave. Humans draw lines. Humans build boundaries around things. Humans stop and say, this is not what we want to be. We want to shape this into something else. They, they imposed restrictions. That's how this works. And they thought that if they just stripped out the Christian version or the right-wing version or the traditional version, then that would be fine. And that would just stay that way forever. But of course not. Different version of this crept in. And turns out they were far worse than what the 90s liberals thought they hated. But of course, they're, they're not going to acknowledge that, right? But we're, we're, they, all of this is just came from nowhere. Wokeness just, just emerged from nowhere. We had reached the end of human organization. We had reached the pinnacle of human civilization. And, uh, you know, we were just, we had progressed as far as everything was ever going to go. And the revolution was just supposed to stop right there. But of course, the revolution doesn't stop. The revolution will continue and it will come for the things that guys like Bill Maher and Joe Rogan valued. And that's when they finally got angry. They didn't, and they can't draw any connection because if they drew the connections, right? If they drew the connections between 
what they destroyed and what they got now, that would have implications for how they live their life. That would have implications for the mission that they set themselves on. That would have implications for the values that they held. And they don't want to challenge any of those things. They just want to point and sputter and be, whoo, the left has gone too far. But watch out, here come the 90s liberals to save civilization. You like liberals back when they were more reasonable before they became leftists. And now every liberal kind of has to be a leftist. It's not. So again, there's this weird game that happens about what the word liberal means. And part of it is, of course, the fact that we, especially in the United States, uh, used liberal to mean uh, a, a, a progressive left person. That's why I tend to use progressivism instead, uh, because I think that's a, a better understanding of kind of that of what that delineation might be but if so if we had somebody who was uh, beyond a moderate uh kind of democrat we called them a liberal right and because of that we have this confusion between liberalism in the american style of more radical leftist politics and liberalism as in uh, a classical liberal many people who think of themselves as centrist uh you know moderately left even moderately right call themselves classically liberal because they're thinking of the classical liberal tradition of politics throughout history, reaching back to the Enlightenment. It's weird to know, it's hard to know what Rogan means here. Does he mean classical liberal? Because, yeah, you could say somebody who isn't a classical liberal or somebody who is a classical liberal isn't a leftist. That would be a, a reasonable thing. It is a left ideology. It is, a, it, it is heading that way. But I could see how you could say that that person is in a radical leftist you could be a much more moderate version of that however if he means liberal in the sense of a democrat well yeah no they were always leftists and more importantly bill maher has always been a leftist bill maher has always been a radical leftist bill maher was always about attacking religion about getting rid of drug laws about legalizing prostitution about doing basically all the vice man the, the bug man vice things you know legalizing all this stuff he was always on the edge of this, okay? So the, the idea that he was not a, a radical leftist is ridiculous. No, I'm sorry. Bill Maher was always very firmly on the left. He was never a centrist. He was never a moderate. Uh, he, he was, I'm sorry, th th this is just not true. He was not some blue dog Democrat. Bill, Bill Maher was very radically left-wing, especially on social issues. He always was. So this idea that, you know, he, he was, he was a, a liberal and that was fine. And then, you know, the, the radical leftists came around. No, you're just redefining radical. Okay. When you were a leftist, what you were was radical. You were on the edge of dismantling the family, dismantling values, dismantling religion, dismantling uh, taboos about drug use and sexuality and all these things. You were on the bleeding edge of that. What happened is that the revolution went to the next step. And you stayed where you were because you thought your battles were won, right? You got the legalizations you wanted. You got the destruction you wanted. And so you thought you had gotten your victory and there was no reason to move any further. But you were radical in your day. So the problem with these people is so often that they just fell off the tip of the spear and they're angry about it. This is why you get the Barry Weisses. This is why you get the James Lindsay's. This is why you get to some extent guys like Local Distance because they thought the revolution was only supposed to go to this point and no further. And so if we could just roll everything back to the 90s, if we could just bring back that 90s liberalism, that IDW golden age, everything would be fine. But the truth is that these guys were busy about the work of dismantling our civilization as it was. 
they were on board with getting rid of all of this stuff. And they're only angry now that things went too far. But their definition of guys like Bill Maher as some kind of moderate liberal as opposed to leftist, whatever those terms are meaning now, is just foolish. It's like if you want to be on the team, you got to subscribe to the most fringe ideas that the team is promoting. And I get in trouble with that, too. It's just. And yeah, okay, yeah, of course this is true. And to and to the credit of both these guys, you know, they they do not promote the most fringe ideology. But of course this is true, right? And and these guys would have made fun of anybody who wasn't as radical as they were. Sorry, excuse me. They would have made fun as as anybody of anybody who wasn't as radical as they were when they were on the edge of the sphere. These guys were totally again about just destroying people who didn't agree with them during their time, probably Bill Maher more than Rogan. I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak as aggressively about Rogan in that time. Cause I don't really know where he, uh, if, and when he kind of really became more of a political animal, I'm more familiar with Bill Maher because he's always kind of been that way. He, all, a lot of his comedy has always been political. He's always had like political shows and that kind of thing. But, but speaking, I guess just about Bill Maher here, He's always been like this, okay? And and the only difference is that he fell off the tip of the sphere. So he was fine with attacking people, destroying people, uh, you know, who who weren't as radical as he was. That's not some weird new thing that just came about. It just wasn't aimed at him. And that's really his only problem. I, I shouldn't be the target of this. I, I'm sufficiently, I'm one of the good guys. You know, come on. I, I was pushing against the right with you guys this whole time. Why are you angry at me now? And that's why it's always hard for these guys to really ever embrace a home on the right. This is why they always complain because they're just temporarily embarrassed liberals. They're just liberals who wish they could be as radical as these people. Again, they don't want to, they don't want to backslide to the, to the social you know, uh, swamp that is the right. They don't, they don't want to lose status. They don't want to actually lose their standing in in the kind of the, uh, the uh, public relations hierarchy. They are very careful about who they associate with and how they associate because they still want to have that foot back into the door to the good cocktail parties. Yeah, Bill Maher, maybe some radical leftist won't go on a show or something. Maybe he gets some complaints from some corners of, uh, of leftist academia. But the vast majority of cool people still want to be seen with Bill Maher. They still want to invite him over to whatever the party is. Bill Maher is still very well ensconced inside the liberal institution, inside uh, you know, kind of the Hollywood establishment. He's still very well loved and 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 kind of valued by a lot of people with a high social cachet. He's paying no price for this. I mean, again, he has a a a very a well publicized show on a major. Uh, you know, network like he he is not really risking anything here. He's just getting a very minor amount of blowback. And the thing is, this gives him just the night the right amount of street cred, right? And again, this is why I keep trying to tell conservatives these people are not your friends. Okay, that 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 pushback is well considered. Okay, it's just enough to get headlines. It's just enough to say Bill Maher, he's a rebel. He doesn't stick with the establishment. He does his own thing, right? But it's never enough to actually get him canceled. It's never enough to actually get him removed. It's never enough to actually get real pushback that would threaten him financially or socially, actually remove his standing. Bill Maher is in perfectly good standing with the vast majority of the left, and he doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff. And none of that is a mistake, okay? He pushes back just enough to be called a rebel, and otherwise he's fine. And the funny thing about it is he doesn't think about how that orients him. So the fact that he's not as left means he's further away from the establishment should trigger a thought, right? Why is the left the establishment? 
Why why is Citibank? Why 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 is the Pentagon? Well, why why are uh, you know BlackRock? Why why is Apple? Why are all these massive Amazon? Why are these massive corporations and banks and things? Why are they on the the side of the left? Oh, because the left is actually the power in the country. They actually control everything. Bill Maher kind of knows that because he knows he now needs, you know, he used to spend all of his time saying radically left-wing things that would distance him from the establishment of the right. But now he says mildly right-wing things, very, very mildly right-wing things, to distance himself from the establishment of the left. Why is the establishment shifted onto left? Bill Maher, completely incurious about that, doesn't care, doesn't think about it. Most of his criticism is still there for the right. That's where the, the vast majority of his criticism is aimed. Uh, but, you know, don't, don't think about it too hard because if we thought about it, you might actually have to challenge your values, your assumptions uh, in ways that could actually put you in some kind of real danger. It's, it's such a, I mean, there's so many, like Joe List has talked about that recently, the comic Joe List, very funny guy. And he was talking about like, he's like, I'm a 90s liberal. He goes, what? I, I didn't change. It's like everybody else kind of changed. I didn't leave the left, the left left me. Do you think, do you think even for a moment that these comedians, the fact that these comedians 50 years later are sitting around smoking pot in a basement somewhere recording a podcast and they're just quoting Ronald Reagan, do you think that even hits them at all, even for a moment? I didn't leave the left, left left me. I didn't change. Everybody else changed, man. I'm the same 90s liberal I always was and wokeness just showed up with, again, no connective tissue no sense of history, right? No actual understanding of how one decision leads to another. Because again, to contemplate that is to put yourself in a very dangerous position, something that could actually challenge your standing, right? So they're not going to do any of that. We're not actually going to think about why am I somebody who pushed for the destruction of Christianity, uh, you know, the normalization of, of, of uh, drug use, uh, you know, the legalization of, of escorts and those kind of things. Why am I that person now echoing the words of Ronald Reagan? And what words were Ronald Reagan echoing, right? That's, there's an even scarier thing for conservatives, right? <laughs> like, you know, Reagan, Reagan conservatives. Why, why did Ronald Reagan say that? Why are they, why was, why, why he and Bill Maher feel the same way? Why he and Joe Rogan feel the same way? Let's not think about that too much. Too dangerous, too, too much history, uh, too much context. Uh, run, run away, run away screaming. And so, you know, here we have them just saying these old platitudes over and over again without thinking about the context, without thinking about the implications. It's just it's just old men sitting on the porch complaining about why the young people have passed them by and justifying their own kind of time in the revolution by saying, well, at least we didn't go that far. It just got real weird, like what you're allowed to disagree with and not to disagree with. And, you know, it's. Yeah. I'm, strange. I'm always trying to make the case that liberal is a different animal than woke. Yeah, of course he is, because that you know, because now that's what's pushing back against him. But of course, it is a different animal, to be fair. Yes, it is slightly different, but it is simply the natural byproduct of this. It is where liberalism was going. Liberalism uh, was always heading this direction. For many different reasons, because it was normalizing the values that woke would capitalize on. And this is, again, something that those who defend this era of liberalism, the last patch, if we could just roll things back to the last patch of liberalism, everything would be OK. They can't acknowledge this. 
Because if they acknowledge that there's any connective tissue between liberalism and wokeism, then they have to understand that the values that they were dismantling as liberals, those conservative, those right wing, uh, those those traditional values, those things that they dismantled were holding back something that was real. They were actually valuable. Those things were in place for a reason. It wasn't just ignorance. It wasn't just stupid religious people from trailer parks, you know, holding up these ancient prejudices. But these these were real valuable pillars and foundations of society. And if you acknowledge that very dangerous thing, then you have to unspool not just what the woke are doing, but all of this quote unquote social progress that just has enveloped the United States in this amount of time, right? And again, very dangerous place. Even most conservatives don't want to go here, right? Most conservatives don't want to think about this. And so they they look at this and they say, well, this has to be a very different thing, but it's not. Wokeism was simply delivering on the promises of liberalism. But we'll talk about that more in a second. Let me, let me play a little more of the clip. Yeah, because it is. And uh, you can be woke with all the nonsense that that now implies, um, but don't say that somehow it's an extension of liberalism, right? Because it's most often actually an undoing of liberalism. So this is just dead wrong, right? And and a lot of liberals will say this because they they get confused about the tools that liberalism used and some of the actual goals and where it was inevitably going to lead. So most people, when they make this uh, this kind of uh, assertion. They're talking about something like free speech, right? Oh, well, liberalism liked free speech and wokeism doesn't, right? It cancels people. And so really that's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's undoing liberalism. Okay, but let's think about what liberalism actually did with free speech, right? When did free speech ever uh, bring forward uh, the right-wing culture of victory? Oh, basically never, right? Oh, okay, well, when did free speech uh, create... Uh, a stronger family. Oh, oh, never. Oh, weird. Okay. Is that because there's no good arguments for families? Is that because there's no good arguments for religion? Is that because there's no good uh, expression, logical case for any of this stuff? No, of course not. There are literally hundreds, thousands of years of thought in this area, in this arena, the philosophy, you know, art, music, there's all kinds of things that back up, you know, this, this worldview. But when they say free market, that's not what they're talking about. They're not talking about bringing those best things into the modern day and letting them stand on their own. Instead, what was done with this uh, idea was we will dismantle all of this stuff, right? The point of this was to dismantle all of this stuff. It was to bring about the destruction of the old order, the old hierarchy, the old norms, the old traditions, And that's what was done with the vast majority of this liberalism. And now they're surprised that wokeism is coming in and dissolving all of the norms that they love, right? But of course it would. Why wouldn't it? You use these tools to dissolve everything that came before you. And now wokeism is using many of what those tools that you loved and they're destroying them in their move further on in the revolution. So of course this happened. And again, a lot of this is wokeism delivering on many of the promises that liberalism made but couldn't keep. Liberalism told people, eventually we're just going to uh, reach equality, right? We're just going to reach equality. Except we kept doing all of these things that were supposed to break down all of this, 
right? They were supposed to break down all of these uh, these barriers. We're supposed to remove all of these problems. And instead, we never seem to get to this equality. We never seem to get to this promised uh, moment, right? Well, why is that? Well, we'll talk about that more in a moment. Let's go ahead and hear them talk a little more about equality. So you can have your points of view and your positions on these things, but don't try to piggyback on what I've always believed. I have always believed, as liberals do, for example, in a colorblind society, that the goal is to not see race at all anywhere for any reason. Yeah. Okay, so to be really clear, this was not Bill Maher's goal. It never was. It was never the goal of any of these liberals, okay? These liberals were constantly harping on this kind of stuff. They've changed their tune now because they don't like the radicalism of where this stuff went, but all of them were into this, okay? All of them were really into the idea that you were going to alter the way that society ran by forcing people to see color in a very particular way, to see race in a very particular way. That was always their goal. They've, they've, they've backed off it now. They've said, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I was for colorblindness or something. But that was not actually the case, okay? That, that was not what they were pushing for. That's what liberals always believed all the way through. Obama, going back, Kennedy, everybody, Martin Luther King. So all we, and if you want to, if you want to understand that this is not what Bill Maher was supporting, this is not what he believed in at all. Just look at his examples, right? Uh, Barack Obama, really Barack Obama was for a colorblind society. Barack Obama, who specifically went out of his way to foment race riots, Barack Obama, who specifically went out of his way to create all kinds of racialist programs, carve out a, a racialist uh, uh, system of payouts to people. You think Barack Obama didn't see race? You think he wanted a colorblind society? No, he went exact, wanted exactly the opposite. And he was pretty explicit about this. So the fact that Bill Maher brings this off as the first example is just delusional. It has no connection with reality. But even if you go back to his actual examples in history, he you know references someone like Martin MLK. Well, this here's one for the for conservatives too. Sorry guys, but Martin Luther King Jr. was not a fan of colorblind society. That was not actually what he was advocating for. Yes, everybody quotes you know the, the I want I you know the judge a man on the content of his character and the color of his skin. But unfortunately, that was not the only thing that Martin Luther King Jr. ever wrote. It's not the only speech he ever gave. It's not the only position he ever held. And he was very clear over and over again that he was looking for racial quotas, that he was looking for affirmative action, that he was looking for a society that actively changed, actively meddled in the racial composition of its institutions, its hiring practices, and everything about it to uh, reflect some kind of idealized uh, situation. He was not about a colorblind society at all. That was not his understanding of of uh, the United States, where it should go, and how it should solve its problems. But again, these this is held up as this is what liberalism always was. Well, okay, but if that's the case, then the very people you're citing don't believe in what you're saying now. Like, like even the people from just a few, like a decade ago, like Barack Obama, do not did not believe in the ideology that you are pretending they believed in now. And so your delusional idea of what '90s liberalism actually was had just bears no actual uh you know uh, uh no actual identity with the real thing it does not reflect the actual uh way that liberalism developed and the promises that it made 
that's not what the woke believe. They believe race is first and foremost the thing you should always see everywhere, which I find interesting because that used to be the position of the Ku Klux Klan. That but again, this was sorry, but this was the position of Barack Obama. It was 100% the position of a Barack Obama and is the 100% the, the position that he passed on to all of his other uh, you know, friends, all of his followers, all of uh, his uh, students. This is what he passed on. These are the values he passed on everybody. Michelle Obama said that she was not really proud of the United States until they elected her husband as president. That's not, those aren't the words of somebody who is race blind, color blind, who, who, who never took these things into account. Those are the words of somebody who held these things as the core piece of their identity, as a core piece of the identity of their country. Okay. So again, this just has no actual uh, resemblance to what the, the real expressed understanding of liberalism was in the 90s, back to Martin Luther King Jr., all the way up to Barack Obama. Sorry, this is just completely insane. It has no bearing on reality. We see race first and foremost everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so again, you can have that position, but don't say that's a liberal position. You're doing something very different. I think the idea behind it, I think I understand their idea. The idea is that the society is imbalanced. And so in order to address that imbalance, you're going to prop up as many minorities as possible, make as many opportunities for minorities as possible, and get it to a position where there are, like white people are minority. So Joe hits the, the nail on the head here, right? I mean, that this is, this is what, is the the understanding right this is the woke understanding this is the woke mission about how this problem will be solved so everyone with with eyeballs in their head looks at society and says society is unequal right we, we look at our society as it is and we say society is unequal now there can only be a few explanations for why society is unequal why there are continued, uh, you know, systemic or continued uh, differences throughout society that we see reflected even across groups, right? And the only answers can be, well, either there is a racism, there's a hatred, there's a systemic problem, there's, there's, there's something in the, the actual structure of the society that is specifically elevating one group and holding another group down, or for whatever reason, one group is continually outperforming and other groups are not. One, you know, some groups are performing better, some groups are performing worse. And that is just the way in a meritocratic society that things will fall. And unfortunate as that truth might be, like that's just kind of how society is going to be if you're going to base everything on kind of ability, outcomes, those kind of things. Right. And so you have to look at that and say, which one of those is it going to be? Now, the left, of course, has a very easy answer. Oh, well, um, it, it's just this. It's the system. Right. There's, it's the way that the system is laid out. Country hates these people it's trying to destroy these people. Uh, it's the, the system, the way people are organized and the way people end up is entirely based on the system itself. And so the system has to be racist. That's what's holding everybody back. That's what's pushing some people ahead and some people behind. It's an easy answer for them. 
And it's a great answer for them because it gives them power, right? If that's the truth, if that's the answer, then the government needs a vast amount of power to change the system because it's not just the government, right? It's not just the law, right? Like specifically racially uh, bigoted laws have been gone for a very long time. And even like scholars, even, even, you know, uh, you know, social activists and, and, and scholars and, and uh, uh, professors and these kind of things of like, you know, the different woke studies will even admit this if you kind of nail them down about it, that it's really hard to find like actual racial discrimination in the law against minority groups. In fact, it's usually the other way around if it exists at all. And so that you, so it's really hard for them to say, oh, well, this exists in the law. So if it doesn't exist in the law, that's where we get this, you know, that's why we get these Robin D'Angelo books on like whiteness, right? Oh, it's a system of whiteness that pervades the entire society because it can't point to any kind of actual legal imbalance in the system. And so we kind of need this disembodied uh, bigotry that is just, you know, rife throughout the system. And that explains what it is. And that means that the government needs vast amount of power because if this exists in every part of the system, and again, you know, we can look at these differences. They exist everywhere. So it must exist throughout the system. And that means that the government needs vast amounts of power to go in and change all of this stuff, right? They have to, they have to force every uh, business. They have to force every, every, uh, you know, bit of trade. They have to force every sports team. They have to force every, well, not sports teams. If they, if they regulated that, that would go the wrong direction. So we, we just ignore that one, I guess, but you get what I'm saying. Like they need, this vast power to get to basically every social interaction ever in America to make sure it always comes out in a very particular way. Like this is the vision of equality for people who understand the system as the problem. Okay. But if it's not that, well, then, then you get into a lot thornier issues, right? Because there's a really good argument. And I think a very far argument to be said that of course there are, you know, decades and, and really hundreds of years of oppression that did come at some level, uh, varying levels throughout history that made it difficult for many different people to build generational wealth, to get education, to you know, own property and, and kind of advance in society. And you can say, okay, well, those structures are gone now, right? We, we got rid of those structures now, but the after effects of them are going to exist for X amount of time. And that was kind of the argument of affirmative action, right? This, this was the basis of affirmative action, even though it's never been popular, people never, never liked it. But, but this was kind of how it was sold to people was like, look, we have to acknowledge that like Jim Crow and slavery were real, that they were immoral, that they have real effects on people's economic uh, situations, education, all of these things, social structures, and that, you know, we, we have to have a certain amount, a certain period, a certain time in which we kind of make an adjustment. We artificially hold down those who are doing well in society because maybe they were artificially elevated and we, you know, we raise up uh, artificially those who were once artificially held down. Right. And so so it's OK for the government to put their thumb on the scales to kind of rebalance this for a certain amount of time. That's maybe not a great way for the government to do things, but at the very least, you people understood that argument. There, there's a real connection to a certain amount of kind of historical injustice that was being made there. But suddenly, it it went well outside that. Right? It wasn't just for African Americans, those who very directly felt that, <coughs> but it was applied to everyone. Right? It started applying to women. 
who are like 50% of the population. So how can they be a minority? And then it got applied to like every other minority, uh, racial minority in the, uh, in the United States. It got applied to the disabled. It got applied to gay people and then trans people. And so we, we watched as this, what was once a very specific argument of historical wrong and, and the, and the, 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 the kind of things that would be required to undo that. And it got expanded to just, a huge amount of population and the only people basically who don't fall under it are like straight white males. Right. And everybody else, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of in that area of, of getting that benefit. And so there also became the question of duration, right? Even if you, even if it was kept to like a specific group that had specific historical wrongs done to them, like you can't just do this to society in perpetuity. Eventually people are going to notice. Eventually people are going to ask, hold on, why am I being held down when I never had anything to do with the system? My grandparents had, no, you know, my parents had nothing to do with the system. My grandparents had nothing to do with the system. I, I, I'm suffering generational guilt, generational, I'm paying generational punishment for things I had nothing to do with. And eventually too many people who are been held down by this system are going to say, wait, you know, what's going on here? And so even if you're going to sell the system of affirmative action to people, you, you have to sunset it, right? There has to be some kind of limitation to how far this goes. But it turns out that actually the system was really profitable to the left, right? And uh, th this is the this, this is too good of a deal for them that, that they had built an entire coalition, entire voting blocks on the continued uh, you know, uh, enforcement of this system. And so if they could continue to tell people that the system was necessary decades and decades and decades, after you know that this is going to be the case i mean you're you're eventually i mean we're not there yet but you'll eventually get to the point where there will be no one in you know who has a living memory of jim crow right we're we're we're, we're not there but we will eventually get there as to where there, there is nobody who alive who ever lived or suffered even under any part of that system and at that point like how do you continue to sell that this, uh, you know, this affirmative action regime, the civil rights regime, to people who have no connection to it, right? And this is especially going to be true of like new people coming in, right? How how are they going to be connected to this? But the point is that you know Joe Rogan, Rogan is right about like what their idea is. If it, well, the system was unequal, and so we have to like just hold people down forever. We have to we have to you know we'll we'll make white people a minority. And that will make it fair. That'll be okay, right? And, and then everything will be fine. But that that won't make it fair. That will be it will be okay. It'll be fine. Like there will be a new reason why the government needs to have this power. There'll be a new reason why the revolution has to continue. There'll be a new enemy for the coalition kind of aim at, right? They'll just scapegoat, uh, you know, white people as a, when they're a minority, just like they did when they're majority. The arguments seem flimsy, but they seem flimsy now, right? And so like they're never they're never going to be able to really look at kind of the understanding of what happened here they're going to be honest about what happened here because again that would require connecting the dots that would be that would require looking at okay maybe we're just never going to get to this perfect equality because that's just not how societies function that's not how humans are and maybe the liberal revolution that destroyed all of these other parts of society in the name of liberation to get us here, we're always going to set us up for kind of the woke stuff because the woke stuff isn't just racial, right? It's gender, you know, it's this trans ideology. Like, there, it's not just the racial stuff. Like, they are doing, you know, terrible things to children because of 
this ideology. And that's not the racial stuff that's tied to the liberation from gender. That's tied to liberation from, uh, you know, uh, from marriage that's tied for liberation of kind of the understanding of the male and the female and their traditional relationship. That's where that stuff comes from. And you broke down all of those barriers and you didn't you don't have a problem there, right? Like where you're not talking about that. And so we can kind of see that like Joe Rogan and, and Bill Maher are always going to be wrong about uh, kind of the relationship between liberalism and wokeness because they have to be because kind of their personal worth, their understanding of the world, their actions when they were younger, they're all tied in to this continuation, this continued understanding of kind of how the world works and, and where it was supposed to be. And if they actually look back and say, oh, well, maybe destroying religion was a problem. Uh, may, maybe making fun of these people who said, uh, we shouldn't be doing drugs in public and you shouldn't be have like open prostitution and uh, you shouldn't be going out and, uh, you know, uh, breaking every social taboo because those taboos are there for a reason. Like maybe you're part of the problem and now you're just complaining about the inevitable consequences, the inevitable fruits of your actions and saying, oh, how could the world have gotten here? Well, because you made it that way. But they're never going to own that, of course. And so we we get we get sessions like this uh, over and over again. So please, conservatives, stop praising these people. They hate you. OK, they really do. They hate you. They hate your values. They always did. Uh, they wanted a world like this. They just didn't know it. And now that they got it. They're complaining about it. Please, 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 please stop praising these people. Uh, they deserve uh, the, the, the world that they manufactured. Uh, they do not deserve uh, some kind of praise for pushing back against it. Uh, we're going to go over here to the super chats real quick, guys. Uh, Creeper Weirdo for two dollars. Uh, he's a uh, he's a sensible centrist, Oren. Yes, uh, absolutely. He's he's of course the most sensible centrist. Mar Bill Maher has just always been in the middle. He's always been in the center. Uh, you know how, how could things have gone wrong, right? Always just this uh, this well educated and totally reasonable guy. Um, let's see. Uh, Homerus Lupercal, War Master of the Evergreen Terrace. I appreciate you donating just to make me say your name. Uh, once the boomers are gone, Mar is toast. Yeah, of course, right? That's true of all of these people. And this is something, again, really, that these these kind of centrist guys, um, you know, the, the Lindsays, the Wokels, the, you know, the the Joe Rogans, the Bill Mars, the Barry Weisses, they've got to understand their 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 ideology is just on a timer, man. Like the, the like the things that are left that are holding it up are dying in front of them. They are pitching a lifestyle that was never sustainable and will only get uh, less and less sustainable as kind of the few people who still hold those values die off. Uh, the, 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 the barriers you broke down were essential. They were critical. Uh, the, they, you've let those ideas flood the gates. They have indoctrinated the next generation. Um, and, and sorry, but you're going to pay this cost. Like you, you can, you cannot, you cannot stem the tide that you created. Um, and you're certainly not going to do it by just chanting. Let's go back to the night. Uh, let's see. Uh, creeper weirdo, but I remember, uh, you know, Oh nine. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, uh, well, Barack Obama will save us, right. The, the, this kind of idea. Uh, let's see. Glow in the dark here for $10. Uh, 90s libs serve their purpose to advance the progress, uh, the progress. And now like all others on the March of progress, they're too old fashioned. Mar smokes pot justifies being degenerate and uh, mocking right. Truly a paragon. Yeah. That's exactly right, man. That, that's 100% the case, right? 
is uh, Mar just wanted to knock down enough barriers to live the lifestyle he had. He couldn't imagine that there would ever be uh, anything more radical, more ridiculous. Uh, and so he's just retreating, right? He's just saying, oh, well, you know, this was all I was fighting for. And, and he doesn't realize that he was just a useful tool along the way and he got the things that he wanted. And so now he gets to live the life that he wanted, but now there are consequences. And the consequences is that the next generation behind you matters. This is the problem, right? These guys lived life as if there would never be another generation after. That's really it. They lived the life of the last man. There'll never be another generation. I don't have to care about my kids. I don't have to care about the world after me. The world dies with me. As in, once I close my eyes for the last time, that's the end of existence. And that's what happens when you're an atheist, man. I mean, that's just all there is to it. it we, we, you know, there, there are good atheists out there. There are good people who are atheists out there. But in general, the worldview is just nihilistic. You, sorry, but you cannot sustain a belief in the need to like cultivate society and virtue when you don't believe in ver the things that would give virtue and you don't believe in the values that are perpetuated once you're gone. And that's all there is to it. Mar is a product of his own worldview. How, 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 how could he be anything else? He cannot envision a world beyond him. And he cannot envision a world in which he had to pull some civilizational maintenance. Look, man, if you got a rental car, drive it till it breaks, right? Who cares? It's not yours. You, you, you hand it in in a week. But if you have to hand that car down to your kid, it's going to be your kid's first car. It's going to be the one that if he gets in a wreck, protects him and keeps him from dying well man you better change the oil you better make sure that everything works you better make sure those brakes are in good shape because that's your kid who's going to be driving that car all of a sudden your legacy matters you got to pull maintenance on it you can't just break it and do whatever you want with it because it's going to be handed to somebody who matters uh homer's again here for 499 thank you very much don't forget mar made fun of christianity forever and now uh, he's left aghast with a new destructive religion took its place. Yeah, again, just so many of these people were in complete denial about human nature and how people worked. They said, oh, this this religion is just this leftover adaptation. It's just this, you know, it, 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 it's this vestigial tale that needs to wither away and drop off and die. Uh, it has no value, you know, for advanced and modern people. And actually, it turns out that everybody's religious. It's core to their identity. Um, you know, th this is why you know, why Dawkins got pwned is probably Curtis Yarvin's greatest essay because it explains exactly this phenomenon of these people who thought that they had just evolved beyond this human need for meaning and truth and religion. Uh, and wow, looks like it came blaring through the door and it came back in a way uh, that was far more dangerous than the thing that you got rid of. Uh, glow in the dark here again for ten dollars thank you very much imagine if 90s liberals ran china during op the opium wars yeah right they would still be under foreign control if not colonized because all those stupid traditions or communities were dismantled and they got uh and they got their opium yeah 100 percent, right like there, there's no way to push back against destructive outside ideologies and this is the big problem with liberalism right that they think, oh, we didn't bring in wokeism. Of course you did, because you dismantled all of the things that would have held it back. You got rid of all of the things that stood in its place. And you, you created the inevitable victory of this stuff. James Burnham said that liberalism is the ideology of Western suicide. It is the ideology that will bring about the end of everything we hold dear because it scoops out the ability of a civilization to defend itself. If everything is up for debate, if everything 
is open to discussion, if everything can be challenged, if everything can be dismantled, if everything can be deconstructed, then your society will inevitably get consumed by something else. Because sorry, there is not this neutral marketplace where this stuff just gets hashed out. There will be something that floods back in and controls you. And now that it's wokeness, you have a problem with it. But it was always coming. Bolero393, great meeting you, sir. I ran into Bolero uh, at, uh, at a, uh, a uh, convention here recently. Good to meet him. Thank you very much. Sir, Bill Maher wants to go back to the 1990s, both to look like the edgy liberal and to have a show on a network instead of on HBO Max. Yeah, fair enough. I was I kept saying he had a show on a network, but he's really got a, a show on a failing tr- streaming service, I guess, at this point. But yeah, that's that's exactly right. Bill Maher kind of wants to go back to the glory days. Again, all of these guys, you know, thought of the 90s as the glory days. I mean, I'm a child of the 90s, guys. I have I have very you know warm, nostalgic feelings about the 90s. I totally get it. I, I loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, and playing Double Dragon when I was a kid and stuff like that. But uh, the, that's all consumerist stuff, right? That's not really actually something of value. Th- th- those, those things were kind of all that was left after the cultural wasteland had stripped away so much of what it really meant to have a, a meaning and a culture and a rootedness. Um, but, you know, that, that's when these people kind of saw themselves as, as ascendant because they were a part of destroying all that stuff. Uh, Bex fan 77 here says, um, it isn't true to, isn't it true to say us only made sense on the traditional, uh, Christian morality as its foundation, you know, inalienable rights bestowed by God. I mean, yeah, so that that's certainly uh, for a lot of people's understanding of kind of, uh, the, the U S tradition, that is very much the case <clears throat> that, uh, that you needed kind of a certain understanding of where rights came from of how uh you know we should treat each other i mean again the u.s uh founding fathers were very clear you know that the the united states was own the the constitution was only made to govern the people of the united states if they were a moral religious people that it was inadequate to rule other people so i I think you know in very firm foundation that I, i don't know if you know kind of this form of democracy could have lasted forever but it's very true that uh, it, it definitely wasn't going to last as soon as we kind of lost that general kind of Protestant Christian agreement on what our basis was. Look, you you can only have a democracy, you can only have an open marketplace of ideas if you kind of generally agree. If you have a general understanding of kind of where the floor is on things, what the basis of things are. Uh, once that basis is gone, then there's there's you're just going to see people heading in farther, farther away. They're going to get things are going to get more and more partisan. They're going to get more and more angry at each other. Sorry, guys, I'm still recovering from a cold here uh, at the uh, that had kind of the end of last week. So most of it's gone, but my throat is still a little bit raw. So that's why I'm coughing a little bit, having to steal drinks of water. But yeah, Bucks fan, I think you're 100 percent right about kind of what it would have taken for the United States to continue. Uh, in in kind of that path. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up before I cough at you too much. Thank you so much for stopping by. Had a lot of great super chats today. Really appreciate it. Of course, if this is your first time stopping by the channel, please make sure that you go ahead and subscribe. And if you'd like to listen to these broadcasts as podcasts, make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to your McIntyre show on your favorite podcast platform. When you do that, please leave the rating or the review. It really helps with the algorithm. Thanks for coming by, guys. And as always, I will talk to you next time.